Hey everyone, how's Houston reacting to the crisis in Gaza? What are they doing to bring awareness to news that's coming out of Israel and Palestine? Plus, you won't believe what HISD students are having to do because of Mike Miles' new education system reorganization. And are you ready to meet 96 million other Texans? Lead producer Dina Kespa and producer Carleon Jones join me to talk about the stories impacting H-Town. It's Tuesday, October 17th, 2023. I'm Raheel Ramzanali, and here's what Houston's talking about. Okay, it's finally getting chilly. Dropped into the 40s. How are y'all enjoying it, Carly, Dina? Is it a little bit better? <laughs> yes and can't, no. I mean, can't say no. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't yeah. say no. 40s is a little extreme, but you know, like it, it's a big, it's a big change. We'll talk about it later, but yeah, it's a big change. <laughs> yeah, I slept in a tent over the weekend, so it Ooh. got into the high 40s, and I'm like really feeling it now. Now I feel like I just need a sweatshirt all the time, but mm-hmm. you know what? It's nice. It's better than 100 every single day. So I'll take mm-hmm. it. All right, let's get into our biggest news. Dina, let's start off with the pro-Palestine protests, aka demonstrations that happened not only in the city of Houston, but all across the United States and the world. But the Houston one, let's start with that. It was an incredible display of people rallying and bringing awareness to what is happening in Gaza right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was insane seeing the amount of like videos I was coming across of like friends that were out there. You know, thousands of people were outside of City Hall this weekend in solidarity with Palestine, calling an end to Israel bombing of Gaza. I mean, this, like you said, this was a protest in conjunction with dozens that were happening across the country, across the world. Everyone calling for the same thing, a free Palestine and an end to the bombardment of civilians in Gaza. And we have a massive Palestinian community in Houston, maybe not comparable to Chicago, but it's huge. I mean, we would gather at least 10,000 Palestinians every year whenever we had the Houston Palestine Festival. And so you have an entire community that's really hurting. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of people also from our community that have a lot of family in Gaza. I have two of my closest friends who have their like aunts, uncles, cousins, all in Gaza. And so seeing the protests you know, across the world, call for humanity and call for people to look at Palestinians as humans and to end this now is really unifying to see it, especially in our city. I think that your point, Dina, about humanity is really just the main thing. Like, it's just a really, really um, just sad time just for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone needs to have that empathy and love for what's going on. And I love that we have that unity and people going out and protesting and actually standing in solidarity. Dina, with every protest, with videos, not only from the protest, but actually what's happening in Gaza hit the web and people consume them, it still seems like awareness is not Mm -hmm. there. And that's the frustrating part that For me, when I was over the weekend, as I mentioned, I was Mm -hmm. um, with 20 other guys, right? About my age, a little bit older, a little bit younger. And of course, we were talking about what's happening right now in Palestine and the awareness of, yes, there is something happening, but the understanding Mm -hmm. of what's happening Mm -hmm. is still not Mm -hmm. there. But I think with each protest, Mm -hmm. with each maybe episode that people consume from any podcast, 
I think that awareness and understanding might get a little bit better. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And there's so many resources. It's not like how it was, you know, 50 years ago where we don't have access to a lot of resources and people on the ground doing that like really hard work and putting their lives at risk to bring you accurate and true reporting. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I really want to stress on too is like we're seeing so much solidarity from across different communities. The Jewish community, you know, Sim Kern, who's a local now celebrity in Houston. Um, She's Jewish and she's been coming out all over her TikTok and Instagram and trying to educate and use her platform as a source for people to educate them of what's going on. Because like you said, a lot of people think it's complicated, but it's really not that complicated. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if I want to put in just a little bit of context for some listeners who just are like, what the heck is Gaza? Where is it? What is this thing that's happening? One thing that's important to understand is that this is not a war. A war happens between two countries. And Gaza is not a country. It's a small, tiny strip of land that's roughly half the size of Singapore. It's been called the world's largest open-air prison. Israel controls every aspect of Gaza. You know, that's why they were able to cut off water and food and electricity from people. And this is what international law calls an illegal occupation. So you have over 2 million people that are trapped inside this tiny strip of land with half of them being children. Mm. And this is what we're seeing right now. This is why everyone's saying end the genocide, end the bombardment of civilians, because this is the reality of what Gaza is and where this Mm. place is. Dina, talking to you on Friday, you and I chatted a little bit and also just watching videos from the protests. This is something that I didn't understand. So I want to bring this to the table is that you know, when the war in Ukraine started and we were instantly hit with waves of raise money for efforts mm-hmm. and humanitarian assistance to Ukraine. And that's what I was like, hey, how can we help? And you instantly said, no, we can't help. That's the thing. That That's definitely still the case. Like things aren't really coming in. Like, I mean, the Rafah border between Egypt and Gaza was bombed as people were trying to escape. Mm-hmm. You know, just this weekend we saw a convoy of 40 civilians trying to flee from one side to the other side of Gaza also being bombed. So it's it's hard time right now to really get aid where you need it to go. Personally, PCRF, our Houston chapter, is incredible. They've actually in the past brought kids from Gaza who need like serious medical attention and need one that's like severely lacking in Gaza. They brought them to Houston and they've had them get the treatment that they needed. So that's like one area of help, especially if we want to focus right now on the children and helping the children. That's a really big one. The Houston chapter is amazing. Highly recommend people check it out. Um, And, you know, talking about the information that's out, one of the best ways to help is to end the disinformation and misinformation and circulating that. Because us continuing the misinformation that's out there, we only contribute to the increase in violence and hate crimes against our local communities, our local minority communities. You know, we saw it in Chicago. It was bound to happen, unfortunately. And it's absolutely soul-crushing and devastating to see a young boy, six years old, stabbed 26 times. Like, I cannot, in my mind, like, I can't understand that. Like, I just can't. Yeah. And if we were to... Sorry, Paul. I think it just hits closer because as a Palestinian... Like seeing my family in the West Bank suffer. A week ago, I learned that my cousin was shot dead by watching the news. Like that's mm. just not normal stuff that happens. Mm. And if we were to just 
do a simple step like that. Connect with your local community, connect with people, you know, go out to a protest. There's plenty more that are going to be planned in Houston. Talk to a Palestinian in Houston. You know, if you're going to go to a protest, look to your neighbor, look to somebody else that's standing with you. And also, it's not even just about like talking to the Palestinians, but also talk to the Jewish community that's standing side by side with Palestinians to really understand. Mm-hmm. We just want an end to the violence. Why can't we go back to living in peace side by side before 1948, before 1947, during those times where things weren't like this? Yeah. I just want to say too, I feel like it's really important, just like you said, to educate yourself on it. Because I think that when we're watching TV, like we're seeing the images of what's going on. But like you said, a lot of people don't have the understanding of what's going on. I've been seeing it on my Instagram. People have been sending it to me, you know, like you'll see like pretty short breakdowns. But um, Dina sent a really, really good article that also had like a 15 minute video that broke down exactly what's happening in the history behind it. And watching that really helped me gain a better understanding of what's going on, why it's going on. And I think that that's important for a lot of people um, to kind of just put everything into context. And yeah, it's just this is a lot, though. It's very hard just seeing so many people hurt and I don't know. It's it's a heartbreaking situation, honestly. All of it is. And we've linked that guide in our show notes. And I also want to bring awareness to other efforts that are happening here within our local community. Our friend Mir, who runs the popular You Had Me at Halal Instagram account, has put a list of restaurants who are participating in the proceeds for Palestine push. So you can go support the local community, support local businesses to raise some funds and awareness as well. I've linked that in our show notes. One thing I want to talk about with you, Dina, is the local coverage. And this is watching from the outside, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, I was off the grid this weekend. I had little access. I wasn't watching all the videos. I wasn't following all the coverage. But when I got back Sunday evening, Monday morning, looking at everything, the protests that happened at City Hall, the coverage of those was kind of weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like on the Houston Chronicles homepage, when I started reading the news on Monday morning, I was like, okay, let's see what people are writing about. Let's see what people are talking about. And the only thing on there was that there were fireworks that went off at the protests and that was it. And even on Twitter, and this is one of the big issues with the new Twitter x.com is that they're no longer allowing headlines mm-hmm. from URLs. So all yeah. you see are pictures, and just the URL on the bottom, but no headlines. So even their tweet said a demonstration took place and there was no mention of Palestine and there was no pictures from the demonstration. It was just City Hall and that was it. So that kind of had me confused. Like somebody who's just consuming this on a Monday, I'm like, wait, what happened to start the week? What happened over the weekend? And that was it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this has been a longstanding issue with the Houston Chronicle, even from when I worked there. They never really made that strong connection to the communities, especially the diverse communities in the city. And it's always been severely lacking in coverage, you know, in contrast to how like KHOU or Channel 13 did, where they actually went there and spoke to protesters and got some context and had some really good information in their articles to try and piece together what many people think is so complicated and is a really complex puzzle piece, but it's not. And so that's something that is kind of sad to see the Chronicle, something that's been a longstanding institution and news organization in Houston, be a platform that can't really give context and important information 
to a community because mm-hmm. it wasn't the case when everything was happening in Ukraine. That's the stark differences, right? They were finding um, local Houstonians who had family in Ukraine to speak to, right? They were really in touch a lot more with mm-hmm. trying to put more humanity and faces behind that story. Whereas here, we're seeing a really stark contrast and difference across the board in local reporting. Mm-hmm. My final thought on this really is just for us to be kind humans and see people of color as human beings and not like animals, how we've been referenced mm-hmm. time and time again in media and in public figures. And it's just important for us to understand one another, understand our differences, understand that, yes, maybe something is happening so far away in the world, but actually understand your role in it. Like when your tax dollars are funding this instead of trying to fix things at home, you know, at a local level, at a national level, that's something for you to, oh, maybe I need to look into this. You know, it's a red flag. And so that's just my thing is that this does matter. I can list a vast reasons as to why you should care, be it from your pockets. But honestly, at the end of the day, it's just the humanity in it that you should care. Yeah. I think you should always look at things as imagine if it was your family. It's just as mm-hmm. simple as that. Yeah. Perfectly put. Let's go to our next big story. Carly, what do you have for us? Oh, Lord. So HISD, here we go again. (laughs) Okay. So Uh some students at one of HISD's top high school were left to teach their classmates because of a hiring pause. Now, this is like 150 juniors and seniors at DeBakey High School for Health Professions. And they basically signed up for these advanced science courses, hoping to gain college credit, which, you know, a lot of people in high school do because it's a lot cheaper to take those courses while you are in high school. And basically, since they weren't able to hire a teacher that was qualified for this, the students have been teaching themselves. The high school students mm-hmm. that are seniors and like, AP Physics 2 have been pulled out of classes to go teach AP Physics 1 students, which are juniors. And it's just a complete mess. Like, according to one of the students, they said that basically what happened was that there was a teacher there. And the teacher was basically a um, standard physics teacher. And right when school started, they kind of were just like, oh, we're going to put this job on you. And to protest, the teacher basically took a, like a leave, leave of absence from like accumulated days off that they had and just kind of didn't come back. So <laughs> they were left with no teacher. And the district is basically telling them like, oh, our hands are tied. Like, we don't really have anything to help y'all out with this. And it's crazy because if these students don't get to finish these college courses or don't pass them because they're sitting there teaching themselves, then they're losing money, basically. It's a waste of money. Like, You're going to have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars in college to retake a class that you were supposed to get in high school. What's crazy is like this is one of the top ranked schools, too. So to me, it just sounds like a big mess. Like HISD is is all over the place. That's all I can say. It's all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. And the reason this is happening is a district spokesman said, and this is from a Chronicle story, that schools have been asked to limit outside hiring 
until staffing audits are complete in the 85 schools in or aligned with Mike Miles's new education mm-hmm. system, where enrollment was less than forecast to start the year. And they will give existing HISD teachers whose positions are eliminated in NES and NESA campuses the first opportunity to apply for other positions. So they're still going through this NES reorganization. So Miles did say that this is almost complete and that the hiring freeze will be lifted here pretty soon. So maybe the students will have to stop teaching each other. And will the students get paid for that, by the way? <laughs> like somebody is doing some work here. And they should. Yeah, that is wild. And I'm with those students. Like I took a bunch of AP classes because I just knew that my broke self could not afford to take a lot of these classes in college. So I got ahead of it in high school and I took a bunch of AP classes. So I could knock out potentially thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. right? So I feel these students and I hope, you know, they can get it right by the time they have to take the exam that will give them the credit. So we'll see what happens with that one. Yeah. That is interesting. And we will be following that as well. Yeah, it's crazy because if you understand too, like AP classes, just like you said, you have to take a test at the end of it, which will give you the college credit. And there's also like dual classes where you like just complete the course and you get the credit, right? So AP is like really hard. It's really hard. So imagine having to take a textbook and teach yourself how to pass a test that is already super hard to pass. It's crazy, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I hope they figure this out. All right, Carly, let's get to some rapid fire. I've got two stories here for you, and I can't wait to get your thoughts because I know these are going to get you going. So Houston will be the second most populated metro in the state, and Texas will be the most populated state by 2100, according to Move Buddha. Yes, that's a website. That's a real company, and it is out there. The state's (laughs) anticipated population by 2100, 77 years from now, is going to be around 96 million people. Mm -hmm. So for context, Carly, we reached 30 million people in July of 2022 here in Texas. California currently has 39 million people. Mm -hmm. So Carly, 77 years from now, how are you going to deal with 96 million people living here in the state of Texas and Houston being the second most populated metro? And how can we stop them from coming here? Oh, man. I don't know. That is crazy. First of all, it's already hard to live here with 30 million people. So I don't know how 96 million people are going to work. They're going to have to expand this place. They're going to have to make this a lot bigger, first of all. But (laughs) we can't make it bigger. (laughs) It's just going to have to keep. It's already so sprawling. (laughs) They're going to have to. There's no way you're fitting that many people into this like No, no, not into Houston. But to stop them from coming here, I mean, only thing I can think of is raising rent, but that affects us. And I don't want my rent prices to go up. So I don't know. How can we make Texas unattractive? (laughs) That's the thing. I don't want people to stop coming here because, again, it's good for growth. It's good for the economy. And I want more people here to take advantage of how awesome Texas can Mm -hmm. be in certain facets. But how can we make it, le- you know, a little bit less attractive? That might be the question mm-hmm. right there. I like that better. It's a reframing of it. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I found that interesting that, you know, we're forecasting population 77 years from now. Oh, man, it's just going to be more and more people. Okay, here's the next one. Look, we love the food culture and the food scene here in the city of Houston. I mean, for crying out loud, we have a dedicated episode every week about food and we love it yeah. so much. So it was an absolute shock when I saw this list from Wallet Hub saying that Houston came in at number 19 
in the best cities for foodies. Mm-hmm. What? what? That's crazy. They're a liar. They're a lie. That's not real. So look, when I meet other people from other states, I always ask them like what places they think have the best food. And for me and most Houstonians, we're always going to say Houston or New Orleans, right? But other people, I just feel like they don't have good taste. You just, you're eating nasty food if you don't think that Houston has the best food in the whole United States of America, okay? That's just how I feel about it. Now, the study did look at over 180 culinary hotspots from all over the U.S. and ranked them based on 28 different foodie friendliness factors, according to Culture Map Houston, including the accessibility and affordability of high-end restaurants, number of restaurants, cafes, butcher shops, so on and so on. So there's a lot of factors. But even when you take all those factors in, number 19 is wild. Here's the next one. New York is regarded as the best city in the nation and perhaps the world for food. They came in at number 20. So we Uh-oh. beat New York. Who was first? Something's off Wait, here, who right? was first? No, go back. Who was first? Who won the best place? I will give you three guesses and there's no way you're going to get it. Okay. Three guesses. Okay. Chicago. Nope. Um, please don't say LA. Nope. Chicago was 14. LA was 13. Oh, okay. So... Okay, I'm going to pick a country place. Um, Let's go like Tennessee. Nope. Nowhere in Tennessee either. Mm. Orlando, Florida was the number one spot. Yes. (laughs) Oh, be for real. (laughs) That's crazy. I'm being for real. Disney World was number one. Orlando, Florida. Yeah. You can read the entire list and the entire study. Of course, all of our stories are linked in the show notes. So there you go. Carly, we got a few more minutes here. Do you have anything you want to get off your chest? Yeah. So I told you I was going to have something to talk to you about with this weather, right? Now, I am a winter baby. I love cool weather and I love how it feels out there. I went to go exercise yesterday and the breeze felt amazing. Now, what my problem is with this weather is that it went from 100 degrees to like 40 degrees, just like you said. And that quick switch, all it means is sickness and allergies. And oh my God, I feel like I haven't been able to breathe in a week. So that's the only thing that I hate about that change. Like it's just so swift. It comes out of nowhere. I don't understand. Yep. And that's the thing about the seasons changing, right? It just happens. And next thing you know, we are in that cold part of the year, Mm -hmm. which again, congratulations to everyone listening. We survived the Houston heat, a historic heat wave here. So we did it. (laughs) And now we can enjoy some sweater weather. Carly, Mm -hmm. that was perfect. Dina, thank you so much for joining us as well. That was a lot of fun to start the week and some important information here on CityCast Houston. And again, everything we talked about is linked in the show notes. I will talk to y'all hopefully next week. All right. Bye. Y'all be good people in the world, please. That was Dina Kespa and Carleon Jones. Hey, have you bookmarked our website yet? Well, you need to for everything H-Town, from events and new podcast episodes to food recommendations and stories. Houston.citycast.fm is your home for everything H-Town. That will do it for today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. It's Tuesday, October 16th, 2023. It's the 17th.